My name is Rachel White, and people call me the Skeptical Shaman. They say it like it's a contradiction, but it's not. For more than a decade, I've been researching and building tools for the spiritually homeless. You know, the curious but critical thinking people that, like me, have had a tough time navigating a landscape of gurus and grifters and crystal heavy people, searching for a way to fill what Neil Gaiman called that God-shaped hole, all while, of course, not getting taken. As the host of the Skeptical Shaman podcast, I want to help us all develop a map of this confusing terrain. I'm going to talk to everybody, the curious, the skeptical, the cynical, and yes, even the true believers. Together, we can safely explore the world of Wu and get closer to some meaningful existential truths. This is The Skeptical Shaman. And now, a word from our sponsors. Are you feeling stuck, frustrated, or disconnected in the humdrum of everyday life? Wondering where all the magic went? Is there an ancient Sumerian demon whispering Zul from inside your refrigerator, leaving you with a palpable sense of looming dread every night? Are eldritch terrors acting up and gazing back at you from the void? Well, the totem tarot deck might be right for you. One shuffle of these magical cards can transport you to a realm of unending adventure, providing crucial breadcrumbs as you navigate the strange and inevitable spiritual scavenger hut of life. Purchase the totem tarot deck from Etsy or Amazon, then just unwrap, shuffle, and watch as the high strangeness grows from within your daily life. The Totem Tarot Deck. What's your totem? Disclaimer. The Totem Tarot Deck is connected to an ancient source of otherworldly metaphysical power. If you use the Totem Tarot Deck, you understand that you may experience dimensional drift. Use responsibly. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Skeptical Showman Podcast. I'm your perennially sunny, optimistic happy sunflower of a host, Rachel White of Totem Readings. I am joined by previous guest, friend of the program, Teresa Reed, aka the Tarot Lady, author of the the new book, The Cards You're Dealt, which is our January Totem Book Club pick. Everybody's going to read it together. We're going to talk about it. I'm excited to read someone else's stuff about tarot, as I'm sure you can relate. I'm like, this feels good. It feels good to go on the ride as a passenger instead of the driver a little bit. You know, as someone who we're, we're working on a flower essence deck right now, if you create content, let me just tell you, it's good to read sometimes. It fills your tank up. It's been, I'm only a, a few chapters in, but I already love it. And the theme of the cards you're dealt, how to handle tarot card readings when life's not so rosy or when things are, are challenging is so important. Uh, so, Teresa, why don't you introduce, reintroduce yourself a little bit? People know who you are. You were in a previous season of the Skeptical Shaman, but give everybody a little heads up on what you're about and what you've been up to. Uh, sure. Thanks a lot for having me, Rachel. It's always great to connect any way possible. My name is Teresa Reed. I am better known as the Tarot Lady. I have been a tarot reader and astrologer for you know over thirty years professionally, but reading for over forty years. I am the author of many, many books, probably more to come. Right now, I'm taking a little break from writing books to breathe. You're um, very prolific. I, I can't imagine. Yeah, I have eight books out now and two tarot decks that I've written for as well. So I've always got something up my sleeve. And, you know, tarot and astrology are two things that I've been using to make my life better and to help the lives of other people that have 
you know, come to my work over the years. So I, I always say that's my longest relationship. Me too, by the way. I picked up my first deck of tarot cards when I was 10. And I I was in middle school when my aunt asked me to do uh, be the entertainment for her company party once I was in eighth grade. So it's funny, you know, you don't think of it until you're back in it full time, I guess, at least for me. And I was like, oh, my God, I've been doing this since I was a child. So funny. Um, Now, your new book, the theme is near and dear to my heart. And I think I've said this to you, either in, in comments on your Instagram lives or email or I forgot exactly how. But people have a misconception that tarot readings are just these fun, light things. They're they're purely entertainment. They're, you know, only affirming. And everybody comes in with a skip in their step and leaves the same way. And really, in my experience with Totem, with clients scheduling readings, especially new clients, they come to you because there's been a triggering event of some kind. There, there is a difficult situation. They're at a crossroads, however subtle or, you know, not subtle, like dr- sometimes a very dramatic situation. I would say the overwhelming majority of my clients come to me because there's been a challenging issue. Um, and I don't know that people who don't read tarot cards realize that. So addressing that, how to read for those people responsibly is so important because I think we mentioned this a little bit before we started uh, recording. People think that reading other people's tarot cards is an easy way to make a living, that it's fun. It's very serious, actually. And there's a lot of responsibility and accountability. And you have to be really conscious of boundaries and be an adult and be appropriate. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about, you know, the cards you're dealt, the book, the theme, and, and what prompted this, why you wrote this, and what you wanted people to take from it. That's such a great question. So many, so many thoughts. Um, the reason why, well, the book, The Cards Are Dealt, it's The Cards Are Dealt, How to Deal When Life Gets Real, a tarot guidebook, is a book that I wanted to write for a long time because of the misconception that tarot is all about entertainment. And tarot can be entertainment. Tarot can be fun. A lot of folks come because they want to see, well, I meet somebody. But the truth of doing it professionally is a lot of times people come to you when they're in pain or confused, or like you said, they're at a crossroads, they're at a pivotal point. And so they're coming for answers. And they're coming also to have some safe space so that they can unload and talk about what's going on in their lives. Because oftentimes I think there is a problem in our society that we don't listen and we do not give people the grace and space to deal with difficult situations. And um, feelings like grief and loss and all of that. We we want to sweep it under the rug. We don't want to we don't want to deal with that stuff. It's messy, and a tarot place can be an incredibly safe place for somebody to come in and really express what's going on. Because most tarot readers, if you've been at it a while, you become a really good listener. And our goal is to listen without judgment and to look for spiritual solutions to the situations they're dealing with. So there's no books on this. I mean, all the books are like, here's how to do a tarot reading, or here's a bunch of spreads. But there's not advice on how to deliver information, how to create a safe space, how to handle it when a client is crying or depressed or going through something very heavy. And I wanted to write the book because in my practice, when I used to read for the public, oftentimes there were people in pain in my office. Oftentimes, probably more often than you might even think. So I became very adept at dealing with 
people who were going through really heavy things. That was something that worked well for my personality. And I just never could find any information on that. A lot of the things that I've learned that I put in the book are things I've learned through my own experiences, different spreads, different ways to be there for people. And, you know, so that's really the method behind the book. I'm grateful that Wiser, uh, my publisher, went along with the book because, you know, grief is not a sexy topic. This kind of stuff is not sexy. Nobody wants to talk about it. Again, we want to sweep it under the rug. And I'm like, but tarot readers need to talk about this. Or anybody who's going through hardship, you can use tarot to help you to work through things. So it is a very helpful tool for reflection. And it is an incredible tool if you work as a reader to help people deal with the heavy stuff. So if that's what the book is about, that's why I wanted to write it. I'm just grateful for Wiser. And I want to swing back to what you said about tarot not being easy money. I mean, that is something I think needs to be screened from the rooftops because there is a perception that it is all fun and games. Gesundheit. I'm going to sneeze. That was a good one. Hope you can, hope you can edit that out. Oh my God. I have my allergies. You're in, in your moving energy, by the way. That's, yes, we've got to get that whole thing. But anyhow, Tarot is not easy money. It is hard, hard work. I think sometimes, too, people see, you know, the misconceptions in the media that we're wearing costumes, we're having fun, we're spooky. And also, if you sometimes go on social media, you will see the very popular social media readers are a lot of times people who are, you know, saying things like, he's going to come back, he's thinking about you. So a lot of it then can be not taken seriously, and these people are very popular. And I'm not dissing them when I say that, but it again, it creates a misconception about what this work is all about. Yeah. Um, the work can be very heavy at times. It can be very draining. And there are no classes that teach people how to deliver the information for these situations. What you'll see is someone says in six weeks, you can become a certified reader And now you can make back the money you gave me really quickly by just doing a couple of readings. And that really, really is attractive to people because it's playing on their greed. And that's what they assume. They assume it's easy money. It is not easy money. It is hard work. It is serious work. It comes with a tremendous amount of responsibility. You don't know how someone's going to react. You don't know what someone's real issues are underneath the issues. And you've got to be prepared for all kinds of things that you will never, ever assume is going to show up in your office. You know, when you were talking, I was reflecting. One of the things that initially surprised me, but I've gotten I've gotten used to it, not in like a callous way, but in a, you know, this is very normal, your normal way, is people would come see me. And before they said a word, they would sit down, they would start crying uh-huh. before they said a word. And most of the time they go, I don't know why I'm emotional. I'm not really upset even today. And what struck me was a lot of my clients, you know, because I started doing this in downtown Chicago, were very busy right. people yep. who never slow down, who never take a minute. And there's something about the energy of sitting at a table with someone and we're going to reflect on things. We're going to look at stuff where it might be the first time in a year or more that they've taken a minute for themselves. And there's just an emotional release that's not even connected to any of these problems we're talking about, right? Like, Exactly. An emotional, like people need to feel safe. 
and support it. And the other thing, you know, I used to go to a lot of workshops myself, like as a as a client or whatever. If I taught workshops at a yoga studio, the teacher would say, hey, we're having this Reiki lady come in. You should come check it out. And I was always struck by when that um, practitioner or workshop facilitator, teacher, you know, name it, wasn't the adult in the room. That feeling of like, oh, no, they're not driving the bus. And instantly my own energy sort of going up, my vigilance going up, me going, I don't feel that safe. These other people aren't that safe. And so why don't you talk a little bit about being the person driving the bus in the session? You're listening, you're being an active listener, but also people are coming to you to hold space mm -hmm. and to be a grown up with very good boundaries mm -hmm. and to not go outside of your scope of services either. There's so much to say about that. I mean, first of all, let's start about not going outside your scope. Yeah, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a lawyer. I, yeah. I'm not a doctor. I mean, yeah. you have to let people know up front that I yeah. cannot take this role. You have to be incredibly upfront because there are people who are going to want that. There are going to be people who want you to be their mother yeah. and want to work out those wounds with you as well. And you've got to be able to set those boundaries and say, no, this is not how it's going to be. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm one of these people, I have very leaky boundaries. And leaky boundaries makes us good at our work, but it gets us in a lot of trouble. And throughout my work, I would have people who wanted to project this issue onto me or wanted me to take the role of something that I'm not licensed to be in that role. And I had to learn to be very, very strict with that. So boundaries is the number one thing that you're going to have to work as a reader. You've got to let people know this is how much time you get. This is what happens after the reading. This is how often you're allowed to have a reading with me. This is not appropriate. Yeah. This is not going to work. I'm not comfortable. Here's your money back. I mean, you've got to be ready for all those scenarios. So boundaries are incredibly important. And boundaries also make people respect you. Because back in the day, And it puts them at ease. Yeah. People don't realize that. It's good for the client. Yes. I mean, I would get people who are mad about my boundaries, really angry about them. But the majority of people respected it. Because it's like, okay, this is a serious business person. This is someone who's serious about their work. This is someone who's not just, you know, flying by the seat of my pants, letting people come and do whatever they want. That never works. That is going to harm you and it's going to harm the person as well. And so learning how to set boundaries was incredibly important in my business. Um, and, you know, even though I don't read for the public anymore, I still have to set boundaries because oh, yeah. people are something else. I mean, they are well, and you're else. so knowledgeable, and you you have that energy of someone who's very grounded and knows what they're talking about, and quote like has access to some arcane spiritual truth, some data, right? And I've noticed with you, and it's one of the reasons why I constantly go in and out of social media. I'm like, oh, I don't know the the grabbing, the needing, the grabbing, the parasocial uh, kind of attachment if you will, to you. Like they think they really know you. And I'm not sure all those people really know you that well. Probably not. In fact, yeah. no, they don't. You know, my private life is actually pretty darn private. I'm very friendly. Um, yeah. But, you know, when you are a public figure, whether it's terror or anything that you do, there are times when people make these assumptions about you or assume that we are BFFs because you show up or you've done a reading for them or maybe they read their book. You know, most of the time people are lovely. Yeah. Most people are really, they're genuine. They love your work. They love tarot. They love astrology. I would say 99% of people are there for the right reason. But it's a 1% of people who come with an agenda 
that create problems for everybody else. And I've had my share of people that have shown up to whatever I'm doing and they're entitled or they're they're coming because they want to knock you off some perceived pedestal, which is bizarre, uh, or they come because they want to clout chase and hope that, oh, well, this person's got people showing up at their lives. I'm going to get them over to mine. I mean, there's yeah. all kinds of bizarre things. Um, and sometimes people can be incredibly, incredibly mean. Some of the e- emails I've gotten over the years are like, I cannot even believe some of these strangers feel it is okay to say these things to me because I am a stranger. Even if you know me yeah. online, even if you follow me, even if you read my work, I'm still don't have an intimate relationship with you. But there are some who, again, they have an agenda. They have, I mean, or maybe they're unwell. I don't know. I had recently someone send just the most nastiest email. And I'm like, why? What is this accomplishing? And it was nothing. It was so bizarre and kind of like, my assistant and I were like, what the hell? What happened? Yeah. So that's the sad thing. You know, people have expectations when you do the work, but also when you're online, you got to even, I cannot believe how many boundaries I've had to set with online people. That's been yeah, very wild, very strange because I'm like, I'm here doing something for free and I'm having a good time. And now this person's pulling some weird, bizarre shenanigans. I mean, I, I this is why we can't have nice things. Exactly. You know, it's like, I would, yes. never, I would never, maybe it's my labor rising, but I would never in a million years show up on someone's live to try to get people to come to my business. I would it's never weird. show up online and start getting mad if someone doesn't acknowledge me. I would never show up on someone's live stream or in their digital world and leave a cruel comment. I would not show up in someone's DMs and tell them this is what you should be doing in your thing in an aggressive tone. I would never in a million years send a nasty email to a stranger because I didn't like something they did or said. I'd go about my business or not watch them anymore. So I'm just like, wow. But I think the problem with the internet is it's given people this courage to bring out the worst side of themselves. The bad of a burglar, yes. as my grandmother would say, because it's cur- it's cowardly courage. Yeah. It is. I mean, to like, I I really still have a lot of hard time wrapping my head around that. But I've just seen some things and I'm like, wow, there's some really unwell people, really mean people out there. And this has become their new way to gain, I guess, some kind of power. It's bizarre. I mean, I've got stories. I I've got stories. Do. And it's, you know, most of the time, sometimes it makes me mad, but most of the time it makes me sad. It really actually, Rachel, I'm going to be frank, it yeah. makes me sad that people can show up and be cruel or send that mean email or, you know, try to like do these weird head games and agendas, uh, power plays. I don't get that. I've never been able to understand that kind of mentality. So I get really sad about it. And sometimes I, I will also say, I just feel like pulling the plug and saying, you know, I'm not going to do yeah. any of these free things anymore. Because people are sometimes so incredibly cruel, and that really that really bothers me a lot. It's a interesting lot. you say that because you know the people who think, let's just say, being a tarot card reader, which is one of the services that I offer with my practice, it's it's easy money. About every other month, I have a solid couple of hours where I'm going. I don't need to do this. 
you know, mm-hmm. and as you said, 99.9% of everybody, I love my clients. They're wonderful. It's really fulfilling yep. work. But the ones where where it's rough, mainly yep. because people do come to you in a crisis and you can set all the boundaries you want, but also there's just, there's a monsoon out there over the ocean, right? That you didn't start, you can't prevent it, and it's hitting your shores. It makes you want to not do the work. Yep. Um I joke with my husband, I feel like a UFC fighter sometimes, uh-huh. you know, in the the after fight interviews, they, they're missing a tooth and they're like, yeah, I mean, it was I, I, I love what I do. <laughs> and you're all banged up and effed up and have to go to the hospital. Like energetically, you really get dinged up from the work. I don't want anyone to feel sorry for us, by the way. We, no, no. I mean, we race and I are super accountable for ourselves, but. I wish people, number one, the readers would understand that they're dealing with human beings and your book delineates this perfectly. Like you can't be irresponsible with human beings that are in a a crisis of whatever variety, however mild or extreme. But then also the the client may be seeing us not as someone who's published a deck or a book or someone on social media that there are podcasts that they think they know, but we are also human beings. We're professionals and this is our workplace, but there's a human inside of here as well. Exactly. And we need to think about that before we leave a comment, before we hit send, before we charge somebody up. I'm always really, like I said, kind of disappointed when people act like that, really shocked because I just don't do that in, in real life or I don't do that online. And I'm like, wow, why are you bothering people? Go live your damn life. And the thing with tarot readers, most tarot readers were incredibly sensitive. Again, it makes us good at our work. And I think people assume that, um, you know, we're not because, oh, they just know the future. But I also think there are people out there, they're looking for someone to take their issues out on. And we're very convenient, very easy because we are sensitive. It feels good to hurt someone's feelings, I guess, if you come from that kind of mindset. So, you know, I think it's really important for us to have conversations about this, because if you are going to do this work, if you're going to be online in any way, you have to have some good boundaries because you're going to be very disappointed in that 1% of humans that show up and decide to make it miserable for everybody else. You know, back in the day, I used to do public appearances, parties, way long time ago. Yeah. And when I used to do tarot reading parties, that's where some of the biggest abuse happened to me. People would do and say the most the things that would blow your mind, the really cruel, awful things. Time, there were times where I really felt like I was in danger. And finally, one time, I had the one incident that finally pushed me over the edge because I started getting depressed from doing parties. I did a lot of them. And I would be going off and I'd be like telling my husband, I'm so depressed that I got to do this. And he goes, why? You know, the money's good. I'm like, it's not about the money. I don't care about the money. I, I'm really sick of being treated like garbage. Yeah. And I went to this one party and the people were lovely, but then a person showed up. It was somebody who was really, really abusive to me as a client who I banned and fired as a client. Mm-hmm. They showed up at the yeah. party and they sat down at the table for a reading. And I sat Which there. is ballsy. Oh, I mean, again, this is something I would never think of doing. And I, I was in shock. Can you imagine be inserting yourself somewhere where you know you're not welcome? I know. And I was That's in complete why. shock. And so, but I'm a pro and I wasn't going to ruin this lady's party. Yeah. I did the reading. I got out of there. I walked, I walked in the door and told my husband, that was the last party I'm ever going to do. I'm not putting myself in positions like that. And that was 
it. It was done from that point forward. Done. And you shouldn't have to be in situations like that. But again, it's that 1%. And this is what people who are aspiring to the work need to hear. You are you are dealing with humans, and humans are humans. And sometimes humans are messy. Forget, you're a, humans are messy, and there are some people who have, again, an agenda or they have an issue, and they got to take it out on somebody. I also find, too, sometimes peers do terrible things to each other, just incredibly cruel things. Like, I'll see peers doing things, and I'm like, First of all, I'm staying out of it. I'm not getting involved in this. I don't want to be involved in it. Don't put me in this. Uh, but just being really disrespectful, mistreating each other. And it's like your peers. Now, here where I am, I'm in Milwaukee, by the way, all the terror readers, we all know each other. Yeah. And we're lovely together. We're lovely together. We send each other work. Uh, there's one Mary Ellen. Mary Ellen's been doing this longer than any of us. And, you know, Mary Ellen and I used to share work all the time. We'd look out for each other and say, hey, I had this really crazy situation. Yeah. Um, there's Al Juarez. There's Cotty Kick. There's a lot of us. We all know each other. We're friendly. And we even once in a blue moon get together for dinner. And there's no jealousy. There's no, you know, trying to one-up somebody. or It's never, not good for business no, either. Those people don't understand how business works. Exactly. We've never had anything weird in our community until... One year, somebody came into the community and decided that they wanted to, oh, sorry, this thing does hand things. They decided they wanted to take over, and they started doing some really awful, backbiting, bizarre stuff. And and a couple of us got together. We're like, who is this person? Why are they doing this? And I said, well, don't worry. They're going to go away. They're not going to last. And they did. But they were trying to stir things up. They wanted drama. And when I see that happening between peers, it is the saddest thing. We, hey, listen, we're in it together. We got to figure out how to work together and look out for each other. Yeah. Why do you want drama? Why? It's, well, why does anyone want drama? My rule is, it's funny because, you know, I don't have a filter. There's like something broken. It's kind of actually (laughs) like a social problem. My poor husband. But anything I say about anyone, I have already said to them. Like, I promise everybody that. Like, because I just, I can't fake it. So we might as well just use that as a system. And it's so rare. It's it's kind of a non-issue. And to your point, if I don't agree with what someone says, I just don't consume their content. It's fine. They exist. Exactly. So I just, it's not the end of the world. I don't bother them. I always say, yeah. listen, if someone's mean, if they're a mean girl, if, they're, if they've got a lot of drama that they're stirring up in the community... I'm not going to bother this person. I'm going to let them go tire themselves out. And I'm going to get busy with other things. I'm just not going to get involved with that. I don't want it. And that's what adults do. Adults are able to say, you know what? This person's got issues and they're stirring things up. Let me go get busy over here. Let me work with people who are working together. So like any industry, there can often be this inter personal dynamics that get very unhealthy and we also have to prepare that that can happen and the irony is they have all the tools i remember um there was all this drama at a place in chicago between reiki practitioners and i'm like the irony like reiki yourself it's so funny like of of all the people you should be chill and happy and healthy and whole like it was a kind of a hilarious show to watch frankly and i'm I didn't teach there anything, so it was more enjoyable for me because I had some distance from it. And I was just like, it goes to show you, right? Um, Really quickly, one story that I think will, 
to fit in all of this. And I'm, I can tell this because this was a very long time ago and this person knows they're not a client. I saw them once. And when I tell you what happened, you'll understand why. So, you know, it's a card reading. Um, little, you know, young female, early 20s. I was in my like late 20s at the time, seemed really nice. And her reading was, her main concern was a recent breakup, right? Like, so the cards you're dealt, there's some heaviness, there's some emotional, psychological Michigas happening. We're doing a reading. And it's not all bad, but it's obvious like nobody's getting back together. And she just was not receiving this. And you know how it is when you, my thing with when I read cards is I just read the cards. Yep. The, my answer is not going to change the more times you ask me. And, and I'll just keep saying, listen, this isn't definitive. This is what I'm seeing in the cards. That's my job. This is what they're showing me. And finally, it got to the point where I go, why don't you tell me how you broke up? So I can get a right context because maybe there's something I'm just not seeing here and I'm I'm being, you know, difficult or pedantic for no reason. She tells a story. But at the end of it, she goes, and, you know, I stabbed him a couple of times and the ambulance came and got him and the cops are there. And she's saying this like it's going in outside in the front yard and getting the New York Times in the morning to read it like it's nothing happened. And it's when I was younger and it was in my kitchen and I immediately looked to my knife block. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, where are my knives? What's like, oh, my God. You would have never guessed it, right? Looking at this very put together, cute, petite, little, quiet, you know, spoken, soft spoken female. And finally, I was like, well, I think that might be why we're not getting back together because, you know, some people don't like being stabbed. Mm-hmm. And I remember being kind of like trying to make it as constructive as possible and being like, I got a hard stop. And I was like, thank God I have another appointment right after this, like a hard stop. It's a legitimate okay. thing I have to go to. Got her out and she wanted to make another appointment. I was like, I'm I'm unable to do that. And I didn't give any other information, but I was like, okay, so someone who stabbed another person was just a foot away from me in my home. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's and no wonder they're not getting back together, by the way. Now I understood the cards. Uh, yeah. I mean, if I got stabbed by my partner, I certainly wouldn't be in a hurry to <laughs> hang out with them again. I'd be like out of there. But, you know, again, that's that's a sign if this is someone who's unwell and they probably yeah. need something other than a tarot reading. This is somebody who right. needs some counseling. They need to be speaking with someone about their anger, about hanging on to this person from the past, about violent tendencies. You need to do the work around that. And who wants yeah. to be told that? All we want to be told is he's going to come back. It's going to be wonderful. It's like a fairy tale. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, you know, heavy stuff comes up, obviously not that heavy. And that was a one and done for obvious reasons. You know, I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. need that in my life. And thank God I've got a much bigger, scarier dog now. And I'm talking like keto and stuff. Like it's these things were never even in my imagination. Well, no. I started just meeting with the general public privately in a fairly intimate vulnerable setting for both parties right and i think that's part of what your book gets to is like this is intimate things are sensitive it can go any which direction especially by the way being in a big city i think you get some some dynamic individuals coming your way um but even with you know really well-meaning clients that are just going through a tough time i think it's important that everybody be cool with the i've had to say sometimes like i don't think another reading is going to help Yeah, I think you're having some anxiety. And trust me, I get it. You know, I've been there in college pulling cards over and over again about a boy, you know, being feeding my own OCD, crazy little little vortex there. 
So I get it. But also I can't ethically take your money. It's not good for you. You don't want it to turn into an addiction, right? Like where you're like, well, I just need one more piece of information. And usually people are really understanding about that. And even yeah. if it's not the answer they want in that moment, they go, you know what? She respects me enough. And that was probably the right thing and letting something sit and simmer. So what suggestions do you have both for maybe clients going through heavy life stuff who think a reading might be good for them? And then also as a as a practitioner dealing with some of those heavier topics with a client? It's a great question. I think, first of all, if you're going to be getting a reading for a heavy topic, know that this is just a tool to help you. Don't look at it as the end all or be all. It's just a tool. You need to make sure you are seeking the appropriate help for your situation. For example, if I am going through uh, the breakdown of my marriage, let's pretend, and I'm depressed about it, uh, then it's really important to make sure that my number one thing that I'm doing is getting therapy. And this is just another tool to help me. It's a form of self-care so that I can deal with my situation in a way that's going to be for my highest good. So you've got to go in with the right expectations and know that it's not going to be the end all and be all for all of your issues. Your issues ultimately are within yourself and you've got to always start. It's an inside job. This stuff is just going to help you. That's it. Do not assume it's a magic wand. It's going to make everything better. Come in again with the proper expectations. And for us as readers, we have to create the the, the right expectations. Yeah. We have to let people know up front. Like I said earlier, I'm not a licensed therapist. I'm not a lawyer. I am not, you know, somebody who can give you a diagnosis. I cannot do any of these things. You have to consult with a proper professional for that. We also need to make sure that we're setting really good, healthy boundaries with people, especially when you sense someone could be very addictive or unwell. Um, there, you can usually you can usually sense that out because usually they'll say, "How soon can I come back?" And if somebody would send me that question or ask me that question, I would all say, "Most people only need a reading once a year." That's exactly what I say, Teresa. I had no idea because it. And I didn't read that anywhere or it just always feels like about a year. Yeah. You know, unless That's another major thing comes up and something changes and, or maybe you know. you're going through an ongoing situation, you want another perspective. I can get that. But you do not need to be getting readings. You do not need to be hitting it really hard like a slot machine. Give mm -hmm. it space. But we have to let people know that. We have to let people know the extent of our abilities that we cannot see all and be all. We have to make sure that we have very much clarity around our schedule, how long they get to sit with us, yeah. how often they're able to come, what they can and can't ask. Like sometimes I even said in the book, there's sometimes people want to ask, what's my, what's the day I'm going to die? Yeah. I don't entertain that kind of garbage. It's like, no, I'm not going to do that. That is an incredibly uncomfortable question for me. I don't like yes. that. I do not like that kind of a questions. But we have to let people know that. And we shouldn't be afraid and think we've got to answer everything. It's okay to say, I'm not going to answer that. No, I do not use tarot that way. So as long as we are upfront about our boundaries, our ethics, what we will or won't talk about, um, and also as long as we are aware of where there could be a problem and we have strategies to nip that in the bud, we're going to be okay then. We can then do good readings. You know, one of my big rules, and this was, again, just an intuitive thing, was I don't read for other people in your life. I read for you. 
because I have your consent, right? Like we can look at relationships, you know, how these individuals are going to interact with you, what might come of your shared space or energy. But it's, it's again, another one of those breakup things that tends to come up because people are in just so much emotional pain mm-hmm. at that time. And they'll say, well, what is he thinking? What is he feeling? Is he seeing anybody else? And sometimes it's like, you know, bitch has been cheating on you. Like, that's obvious. But outside of that, it's just a breakup. And I go, listen, he didn't give his consent. He's not here. He's not my client. Let's talk about you. These are your cards, right? So do you have any tips or tricks for that? Because I'm sure people have asked you, can you give me line of sight into what my ex is doing on the other side of the world? Those readings have always been the most painful readings because, first of all, I I do understand. I really do. have a lot of sympathy. I get that. I really, really do. I have great sympathy and I understand that you want to know what's going on because maybe it's going to help you move on with your life. I totally, totally get that. Um, but I think the best thing is you could just let people know that I'm not comfortable talking about this topic. I think you should talk to them directly. I think works good. And I also think you can reframe their questions. Like, let's say if someone says, I want to know how my ex is doing. We can say, well, why don't we do a reading like this instead? Let's look at what you can do to move beyond this so you're not so focused on this person. You can do those things, too, because that can sometimes get the focus off of them. And the other thing I want to say, sometimes, though, I do bend that rule about reading for outside parties. If I have a 90-year-old grandma who wants to know about her 18-year-old grandson, I'm not going to tell her, oh, we're not going to ask. You don't get to ask about him. You know, it's funny. Children always show up differently. Um, they do in people's readings and it's always sweet and nice and constructive and I've always rolled with that and also people's yep. children show up in their spreads to yes. me but also yeah. sometimes too we have people come in uh, maybe a loved one is dealing with something like addiction and they may say they may want to ask about that and what I'll look at is let's look at how you can help this loved one but I will allow people to ask about certain situations with other ones because it's like, you know what, as a mother, I want to know my kids are okay. You better believe it. Uh, if one of my kids was addicted to something, I would want to know what can I do here? Um, are yeah. they going to be okay? So I will bend the rules on that. I'm pretty open-minded about reading for people who are not present. However, there are certain things you don't need to know your ex's sex life. That's none of your business. You don't See, need that's their, the one. Yeah, you don't need to know who they're boffing. You don't need to know if they're happy. Um, you, you probably aren't going to get the answer you like if you come to me for that. Yeah. Because, by the way, spoiler alert, ladies listening, men move on quickly. They don't like to be alone. So it's not always a cute thing to look at what my ex is up to. And also, it's not that constructive. Here's the thing. Women nowadays are thriving being on their own. Yes. So we also have a new dynamic that's starting to form which is really interesting. And I'm watching some of these young women are so fierce. I'm like, damn, these are, I mean, the dynamic is changing. And I think we're going to see less of those readings where someone is all hopped up about their ex because I see so many women who are like, oh God, no, forget that. I'm fine being on my own independent woman. So I don't know. I think that might be changing. This younger generation is pretty damn fierce. Um, and I know context matters, trust me, better than most. I'm one of those people I'm always like, do not Google the cards afterwards. Don't do the WebMD version of yes. you know, the uh, Monday morning tarot quarterbacking on Google. It's not really going to help you that much. 
And it usually veers more negative than not. Just like WebMD, everything is cancer, right? Oh, yeah. It's, it's not. WebMD, I'm convinced I'm dying. <laughs> Me too. I had a little ad there. Mercury in our charts. We should yeah. go on there. But if you see truly some banged up cards, which mm-hmm. happens, you know, the cards you're dealt, right? We're looking at them. It's the tower. It's the ten of swords. It's the five of swords. It's three of swords. And they're all in one ten card spread. How do you handle giving the accurate divinatory information, you know, because that's an ethical kind of contract that we make with the client while being constructive about it? How do you balance truth with, you know, negativity versus positivity? Because that can be challenging. First of all, if I could translate that for somebody, I would say, what is going on here? These cars are intense. I want. I know. I'm thinking of one reading, yeah. by the way, and it was it was uh, just a demilitarized zone. It really yeah. is a situation. Yeah, I would want to know. I'd say, what is going on here? Look at these cards. So the first thing is, I want to know what's going on. I I want to make sure that we're talking about the right thing. The next yeah. thing is, we want to talk about then. Okay, we got the tower. This is showing disruption. The five of swords shows deception. These are what these cards mean. This is the story that I see unfolding here mm-hmm. for you. So this is not looking good. Now, let's look at what you need to do and what you need to know to get out of this situation. Let's look for the yeah. detours. That's always what I'm about. Let's find the detours because I'm a, I'm not a fatalist. I believe no matter how terrible your cards are, no matter how crappy your chart is, no matter how crappy your life is right at this moment, there's a possibility for change. And sometimes that means asking for yes. help. Sometimes that means reaching out, maybe developing new networks. There's things we can do to either gain support or to find the exit. And so I'm very much, instead of a fatalist, I'm a strategist. Let's get you out of the situation. Let's get you safe. And let's help you to make some better decisions. That's always the goal. I'll sometimes refer to times in my life when I had banged up. Me too. For a reason. Right. And I'll go, listen, I had three minor strokes. I broke up with a fiance. My dog almost died. That all happened on the same day. You know, that's when I got the ten of swords and the tar- the tower card. I remember that very vividly. And I go, you know what? I woke up the next day. I was alive. Everything was, you know, still there. You can move forward. Here are some things that I did. And then, you know, a couple months later, I read my cards. They were different. In other words, like yeah. sort of focusing on there might be some challenges. Many of them are likely already underway. So you're probably not surprising anybody. But also it's not permanent. Nothing's permanent. That's the beauty nope. of astrology, tarot. Next year it's different. Next reading it's different. And also like take a salt bath. Focus on self-care. In my case, why are things breaking down? I was in a relationship with someone who was abusive, who had a real, you know, a, a psychotic break, frankly, mm-hmm. while we were together. And I didn't cause that. You know, I'm dealing with it right now but also like i got out of that relationship so now we're in the rebuilding right and the next time you look at your cards are going to be different and i think sometimes people who want to do this for a living don't think about what that moment's going to be of like the oh shit i i have i'm in this position now with a client who's paying me money who's Mm -hmm. waiting with bated breath to hear what's coming up in their reading i got to find a way to do this dance so i'm not causing more destruction Right. And that's why we always want to look at, here's what we see. Let's figure out what to do now. That is always the best way because we never want to leave someone hanging and feeling homeless. No. We always want to say, you have you have options, you have choices. 
even if you're in a situation where you quote unquote don't have a choice, let's find a way to cope. Let's find a way to deal. Let's find help. And Teru is very, very good at that. I mean, that's how I've used it in my life. And my life has not been easy. I've had a very hard life. It should by be the way, yeah. I have a terrible astrology chart, according to most astrologers, but I know how to make it work. You know, you just, you, you take what you, what life gives you and you look for better ways to manage. So one of the main reasons I wanted to read your book for the January book club is we're about to enter the year of the dragon in Chinese astrology. And, and, you know, I'm familiar enough with that world to know that I love dragon energy. My last dragon year was an amazing year, by the way. I got, but a lot happened. I got divorced. It was, it was tumultuous for me at that time. This one, it's wood dragon. It feels a little bit more constructive, but I know things are going to get intense for people. You know, year Mm -hmm. dragon years, there's militarization in the world. I hate to say it. There's aggression, but there's also a great increase in spirituality which is not always gentle either. Like there's a lot of intense stuff happening. People are going to be probably a little bit more forward about how they're thinking and feeling with each other than we have been in like the year of the rabbit and so on. So what would you say, you know, you do more Western astrology as well and you've been pulling cards for next year. Do you see some of this dragon stuff coming up? I happen to love it, but it's not for everybody. And what can people do either as card readers or or as potential clients, you know, to navigate this intense energy? It's going to be intense because Pluto is going back and forth over uh, Capricorn and Aquarius. And we are also having a choice to make. Do we want authoritarianism? Do we want the old guard? Do we want to go back to a time when it was all for one person and none for the rest of us? Or Aquarius, do we want an equitable future? And so there's going to be a lot of this back and forth. And the last time, by the way, that Pluto was in Aquarius was during the time of the French Revolution and the American yeah. Revolution. So that energy isn't just about countries, but it's about us. We all need to think about freedom, what that means. What does freedom for all mean? What does it mean to be compassionate, to be a humanitarian? What does it mean to make sure that there's justice? What is justice? And that's all really super intense things to consider. But I would say these are things we need to ponder. And it's going to be a good time for standing up, for doing your part to create that world for all of us. And, you know, and also for looking within and figuring out how you can really be living, a living example of ethics, integrity, innovation, um, humanitarianism, all those uh, Aquarius qualities. Um, Pluto will go back and forth all year, but on November 16th, it's back in Aquarius until like 2020 or 2043 or 2046, I forget. It's going to be back in Aquarius and then it's all about revolution. So what does that mean? That I think is the big thing we should think about. So when I think of dragon energy, I think right to this Pluto back and forth over Capricorn and Aquarius. What's your revolution? What does it mean for us to have an equitable world? What's justice? Let's work all for one and one for all, not all for one person. It's funny. I was uh, framing out a little bit of what I'm going to write on Substack for the year of the dragon, right? And I remembered I love Game of Thrones. I I do too. Oh my God, I love Game of Thrones. 
And, you know, that that phrase for House Targaryen, which is a dragon is not a slave. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. being kind of the theme that sprang to mind. And it it aligns with what you're saying. You know, Run the Jewels has a great song called Just, by the way. And the lyrics are all about how slavery looks different mm-hmm. now in a lot of ways. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, if you look at how they're mining lithium ion, by the way, it's it's very analog. It's a bit upsetting. Um, very I very upsetting books if you want to get very depressed. I have a talent, Teresa, I don't know if you know this, for staring into hell. So I know all the bad, dark stuff. I watch all the documentaries. I'm like, I ruined dinner parties all over the city of Austin. Now it's sort of my superpower. And someone's like, yeah, this new smartphone. I'm like, oh, you want to know where all that came from? I'll tell you about that. So I have that pain in the ass. I, Aquarius moon, a lot of Aquarius and Mercury in my chart, which people don't always read when they first meet me. But I was like, yeah, we're not. It's about breaking free of bondage mm-hmm. and not letting other people kind of tell us what to do. The last several years, and maybe this is part of what you were getting at too with your your mean comments, because I've certainly got my share of mm-hmm. unsolicited feedback, if you will, which was, you know, interesting. But it's I don't think we're gonna be putting up with as much of it anymore. And I don't think there's gonna be as much of an effort to harmonize with our abusers. Exactly. Good. That makes sense. Yes. I mean like why am I listening to you? Who are you? Exactly. Yeah. People need to, I think we need to really develop some more kindness and compassion. And I'm hoping with Pluto and Aquarius that that's going to be the end result. Mm-hmm. Because I do not like mean. Oof. I don't like um, narcissistic abuse and coercive control. Those are those are big triggers for me because I grew up with narcissism. And yeah. so one of the reasons someone asked me the other day, why are you so fixated on MLMs and cults? I'm like, why are you so fixated on me being fixated? But, you know, the answer is because I know that dynamic. Like, there's something yep. about it. If you spot it, you got it. You grow up with something, you know, you you develop that, quote, medicine shamanically. And I really hope in the year of the dragon and with this Pluto Aquarius energy that we can get out from under gurus, cult leaders, and these abusers telling us, yep. you know, all this nonsense and exploiting us financially is the main thing. Yes. And I think also with Jupiter going in Gemini, there's going to be a lot of disinformation out there. We've got to learn to discern what we're listening what we're listening to. There's a book I highly recommend called Cultish by Amanda Montel. I love that book and I oh, love that podcast. She's yeah, great. It's all about the language. The language of cults and how people get roped yes. into this type of group think. It's fascinating. And like you, by the way, I watch every documentary. I love documentaries. My husband says, my husband and I always laugh because my husband, you know, he likes his superheroes, his martial artist movies, his fantasies and all that stuff. And there was a time we were like going to the theater before COVID and every movie that we got to go see was a superhero movie. And one day I said, I am so sick of this. I can't take it anymore. I need something dark. And he found something. It's not a documentary. It's a movie called The Hounds of Love. And he says, hey, look at this trailer. This looks like your kind of thing. I looked at him like, oh, yeah. And watched it. It was really dark, really horrible. And after I watched it, I said, well, now I feel better. Because this is my Scorpio moon, my full eighth house. Yes. I also, like you, I love any documentary about cults. I love true crime. Um, I don't want to be involved in any of this stuff. But I like, as an observer, learning about it and thinking, what the hell was this person thinking to start a cult or join a cult or 
or to go yeah. on this murder spree. So I find he, that part of human nature uh, fascinating. I just don't, of course, want to be participant. We learn a lot about humanity through its most extreme iterations or manifestations, right? Like, uh -huh. you know, people don't want to know, think about cult leaders or um, what's the term for a political leader that's authoritarian. There's a name for it, and I'm, it's, I'm totally brain farting on it. But we... We like to figure out what's like scratch and sniff stickers. Remember those? Like what's in? Yes. What is that? So you you know how to see it when it's coming, and it's sort of like getting a getting a blueprint of the mechanics of the monster a bit. Um, that's what that's what I I don't even want to say enjoy about it, but yeah, I'm hoping we can sort of shake off a lot of these shackles, particularly by the way, economic. Um, one thing I'll say going into this year, the dragon is a lot of my clients that are, have been like me, you know, hard workers, successful people and deserve their success, really self-made. It's not going well. Corporate America is not taking care of its employees. They don't care. It's not a meritocracy. Your loyalty and hard work kind of don't matter Yep. anymore. And I'd like to see us work on building new things. And and what you were saying about all the tarot readers in Milwaukee being friendly with each other, working yeah. together, we're going to need each other. And I think because it's a wood dragon, wood is the element in feng shui of new growth. It's gentler, it's more upward, more constructive, less destructive. Mm -hmm. I would recommend to anybody, if you're a tarot card reader or whatever you do, it doesn't matter, really make, make efforts to network authentically get to know people, invest in relationships, because we can all help each other build something else. Absolutely. And we can be kind and we can work together yes. without fear that there's going to be less for us. You know, one of the things that I'm keeping an eye on is the rise of unions. I love yeah. that. I mean, I Me love all this stuff, this union stuff that's happening, like some guys trying to get unions in Amazon, the grocery stores, all of that. I'm very, very for that. I don't foresee a tarot union, by the way, but the whole idea of unions is to make sure the workers are going to be okay. And I think we need to think about that also in our industry. How are we all going to be okay? And it starts by being a decent human and not slagging off on your peers or causing harm or having a scarcity mindset. Let's just all make sure there's room for everybody because there is. And by the way, the worst thing you can do for your own business is behave badly. Everybody exactly. talks. It's a small world. <laughs> it it yes. is. You, everybody eventually finds out if you're being a, a really mean person. They yeah. they will find out or if you're doing unethical things, it does get around. So it's better to just straighten up, fly right, be good at your work, be a good peer, be a good business provider. Um, you know, that's it. Be a good human. It's not that and hard to be good. Just... On a personal note, I want to thank you for being such an authentic and generous person. Thank and you. It's funny. I'll see people kind of grab at you and want you to promote something or whatever. I'm like, no, no, no. She's so generous. Just be nice. She'll just do it. You know? Yeah. And if it's, like, if it's something I like, I have no problem <laughs> telling folks about it. Right. It's like, look, this is a great product, or I love this book, or I love this deck, or you know, I have no problem. I'm always about supporting my peers, especially if I love their stuff, which, by the way, you know how I'm such a super fan. You can see I've got some of your thank you. potions yeah. right behind me that I, I'm always dropping. By the way, drops. 
Ooh. Not only am I the president of the hair club for men, I'm also a member. Yeah, I was doing a new little routine during the the break, and I really appreciate that. And it it means a lot to me. But I never confuse that with being entitled to some people. And that psychology, yeah, we've got to shift that. Some people get really, really strange because they assume you owe them something. And we got to be careful. That is not a good mindset to have. I never really try to force somebody to promote my stuff. Either they like it or they don't like it. Like, by the way, it makes them want to promote it more when you're just... Right, right? I mean, even when I tell people, leave a review, I'm not like, oh, leave a good review. I'm like, just leave an honest review. Right. People could decide whether this is for them or not. You know, maybe you don't like it. That's okay. I'm okay with that. I have a lot of courage about being disliked. I'm not for everyone. I'm not your flavor. Maybe you don't like this or that. That's okay. You'll find what you like, and that's cool. And you know, but if you like said it, something yeah. great, which is, you know, as we're going into this this new year, the year of the dragon, if anyone's listening to this, don't do it, you know, to get something or because you, you feel obligated. But if you could review good practitioners, either their services like on Yelp, Google, their books, their podcasts, their, whatever it is. Those reviews, Teresa, you know this better than anybody. Those count. Those really matter for people trying to build something, create something in ways that are are impossible to measure. And one of the things I did over the break was I sat down and I wrote reviews of people. That's so went all over the place. I wanted to put that energy out. Number one, for me, selfishly, it's good to be it's good to be a good person. It pays off. It's one of those nice little karmic bounce backs you get, but also it feels good and you mean it. There's so many things I love, and I'm just generally too effing busy. Honestly, I get it. But when I get a minute, I'll group those tasks together, and I sit down and knock it out. And it makes a huge difference for people. It does. And one of the things that I do is what I call a magical practice. Anytime somebody's really mean to me, or maybe they send me a nasty email or leave a bad review and I find out about it, I go that and immediately leave a good review for a business or a service or something I love because I feel that neutralizes that energy and then I don't carry it with me anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good practice if you're sensitive. If somebody sends you a mean email, leaves a mean comment online, you're going to be hurt, honor your feelings, but go leave a kind comment, a kind review for somebody you really love that you admire because you're going to shift that energy. You're going to turn it around. You're going to neutralize that negative person's crap and their ability to have an impact on you. I really like that. That's important. So let's go ahead. If you're cool with it, Teresa, let's pull a card from our, you know, our sponsor, the Totem Tarot deck. I don't know if you heard, I was such a smart ass. We made dark little commercials, audio commercials, tarot deck and the, I'll send them to you in the flower essences about how you can slip into other dimensions. And they're kind of creepy and they're probably going to do the opposite of promoting the product, but I couldn't help myself. It was too much. I love it. Is there anything you want to look at or just see? You want to see what's coming up in the new year for us here this first week in January? Yeah, let's just look. What do we need to know? I'm nosy. I kind of wish I had a dragon part. Oh, this is great. You pulled this for cancer the other day on your Instagram live. The King of Swords, Master of Metals. It's very dragony energy, isn't it? It is. Like kicking ass, taking names. Letting people maybe underestimate you and showing them that you're not going to put up with it and that you're going to slice your objectivity. 
and focus. And also, I think, you know, it's funny, too, this card's all about leaning into what you're good at and not feeling shame or guilt or weird because you're good at something. Like, have fun being good at it. I always think yes. of when I pull this card, Doctor Strange. Speaking of my husband, movies. yeah, my husband loves that with Doctor Strange with, who's it, that Benedict Cumberbatch, whatever. Yeah. I can never, He's I get my great. tongue. I always get my tongue tied up over his name, Benedict Cumberbatch. I have to like say it yeah. slowly. Uh, we call him Smog in this house because he was the voice of the dragon Smog in the Hobbit movies. But he, you know, that character who's got a perfect photographic memory and he's just really good at stuff. He's better than other people at stuff. And thank God he is because he ends up saving this entire realm from other dark realms. And you need someone who's proficient mm -hmm. at magic or whatever it is. If you want somebody to get the job done, mm -hmm. good intentions aren't always going to do it. So don't feel bad if you're awesome at something, everybody. A dragon is not a slave. Yes. Game of Thrones all the way. Break the damn wheel. So, Teresa, you can be found on Instagram. What's your handle? My handle on social media is always the Tarot Lady, except on TikTok. So I'll grab that. So I'm the Tarot Lady official over there. And you can find me on my website, thetarolady.com. That's always the best place to find me. I love your Substack, by the way, and I love Substack in general. Thank you. So Substack everybody, is I love it. It, to me, is social media that's curated. You don't get a lot of the noise that you get in other places. And I like reading people's writing. I like reading their long-form thoughts. And so check out... Uh, the Tarot Lady's incredible Substack. What is it? Metaphysical. Um, the Metaphysical Authors Confidential. Thank you. It is all about writing metaphysical books, writing, marketing, and, it's good. and publishing. Yeah. I'm trying to help my so, metaphysical folks get their books done. Thank you so much, Teresa. Happy New Year. And we'll catch up with all of you soon. Bye. Here at the Skeptical Shaman Podcast, we have a few sponsors that make all of these incredible conversations and discussions possible. Please take a moment to listen to a word from our sponsors. Are you feeling disconnected from magic? Do you find yourself staring out the window in your nondescript workplace wishing you were among the trees in the sunlight? Are you being slowly drained by your office energy vampire? You know the one. They won't stop talking about how her cat is at the vet for the third time this month. Is the disembodied hand you purchased from a traveler acting up at night, opening drawers in your bedside table, and disrupting your circadian rhythms? Well, totem flower essences might be right for you. Purchase totem flower essences on Etsy, and one drop of these magical potions can alchemically transmute your energy body, arming you with unmitigated powers of sorcery. Totem flower essences be ungovernable. Totem flower essences are handmade by an emotionally unstable and morally dubious shaman, potentially injecting your life with raw chaos and magic in the attention of various pagan gods. Use responsibly. <laughs>